VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The week three deep dive preview of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Had an interesting conversation, as most of you guys or all of you uh, will have heard with the What's Up Falcons uh, guys uh, yesterday for the first half of our, our week three preview. Uh, got some feedback on it uh, already. And I wouldn't necessarily call them down on the Falcons so much as maybe realistic. Like these guys know their team. You know, if if you think that they're down, go back and listen to some of the shows that I did on the Bears in 2014, 2016, you know, that last year of Tressman's uh, season or last year of Tressman's um, tenure with the team. Uh, go back and listen to 2016. We were three and 13 and lost God knows how many games uh, in a row and things like that. And, and, you know, it was a tough season to sludge through. I mean, the only thing that I had to hang on to in 2016 was the fact that that was the year the Cubs won the World Series. So it was like, me, you know, while the Bears were having this historically bad season, my Cubs in the first time in my life and many people's lives we're making history that you know no one had ever seen uh, before. So uh, that made 2016 easier to go through. 2017 wasn't much better. So you know, and hell, go back and listen to me last year. wasn't exactly high on the team last year because we never knew what to expect. And um, it's kind of an issue that we're still carrying on now, only that we're finding ways to win as opposed to finding ways to lose new and creative ways to lose last year. So I wouldn't necessarily call those guys down on their team so much as that, you know, you know, I, I actually they, they also might be suffering from 2019 syndrome uh, as well as far as like how we as Bear fans, you know, were optimistic going into 2019 and then the 2019 season started and it was nowhere near what any of us were expecting. And I think that after seeing this team, their team, I should say, start one and seven, but finish six and two, make a mad dash and had one of the better defenses in the league. And, you know, and their offense was was doing the job and, you know, winning six out of your last eight to finish strong at the end of the year that uh, they were optimistic they'd pick up where they left off. And granted, the schedule isn't hasn't wasn't kind to them by giving them the Seahawks and then the Cowboys. Uh, right off the bat but uh, nonetheless they had an opportunity they should have walked away with last week's game and uh, you know that didn't happen so it's like it's very much a feeling of here we go again and you know even though I I don't like the Bears chances to win on Sunday there's a very real possibility that the defense might equalize their offense and we walk away with another win and now Atlanta 
is in an 0-3 hole. So, But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go ahead and, and, and get on uh, with the show, guys. It's the Week 3 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. So here we are on the cusp of another Bears weekend, week number three, in fact. We're almost through the first month of the season already. You know, it was a season that we didn't think was going to take place in the first place, and, and here we are almost a quarter of the way through. So uh, how about that? I mean, it's a very similar complaint to the one that we have every single year. You can't wait for it to get started, and then once it gets started, it starts to end almost immediately. So... Uh, but here we are, and our beloved Chicago Bears are 2-0 and so far in the season, taking on the Atlanta Falcons, who are unfortunately 0-2 after a colossal breakdown against the Cowboys in the second half last week, a game they should have easily uh, walked away with. What's going on, everybody? Larity back to Week 3 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. We got news and notes. We have the keys to the game, so um, lots to cover here. Uh, on this uh, final preview part two of the preview episode uh, for week number three so um, you know again want to thank my guests from uh, from yesterday uh, what's up Falcons and Rock Q and Aries uh, from the what's up Falcons podcast here on the armchair network go ahead and give them a listen if you want to hear what they have to say about their Bears uh, Falcons uh, preview and um, you know get their thoughts um uh, about it uh, aside from uh, what they shared with us yesterday fun conversation i really enjoy talking to those guys so um so week three it's uh the one on the schedule and, and i've kind of been talking about this from the beginning when the schedule came out this was the one that i that i wasn't 100 percent sure about because looking at the schedule uh when it came out we got the lions week one okay great we've had this team's number for for the last few years and somehow uh, this is the team that Mitch always shows up against. Even in 2017 when Fox was the coach, I think we lost both of those games, but Mitch played well in both of them. And then in 2018, he's been undefeated. Five straight victories for Mitch. Well, actually four because he missed the Thanksgiving game. But f- last four times Mitch has suited up against the Lions, he's had some of his best games, and he's come away with a victory every single time. So... Yeah, the Bears are 5-0 and since Nagy took over as head coach um, against the Lions, and, and Mitch is 4-0 and as the starting quarterback uh, versus them. So we thought, okay, even though it's on the road, should be a victory for the Bears. You know, it's like, uh, no, we didn't have a great season last year, but two of those eight victories came against the Lions, and uh, the Lions were one of the worst teams in the league last year, having lost nine straight to finish out the uh, season we should we we should have lost week one if DeAndre Swift didn't drop the football but the football gods were on our side we win looking at the schedule again okay we got the Giants granted young team um, some some highly talented players but they're still working on it kind of thing we should come away with the victory yes and then I've said from the beginning from May when the schedule came out until now and i still feel the same way it depends on which team shows up and will it be this team that started one and seven or will it be the team that finished six and two that was one of the sharper better you know teams playing better football than most in the in the league at the end of the year last year 
and um, the record would indicate the one in seven team has showed up. But you know, number one, they were whereas we got the ball to bounce in our direction as far as who we played the first two weeks. The ball definitely did not bounce for the Falcons when it came to the Seahawks and the Cowboys weeks one and two uh, in their schedule. So I'm sure that when the schedule came out, they were looking forward to this game because it would be, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, a much easier matchup than trying to beat the Seahawks and the Cowboys. So even though even even anyone who who predicted the Falcons might start 0-2, probably has this one circled as a game they could win so that's what makes this matchup so interesting you know the bears are 2-0 should probably be at least 1-1 or 0-2 at this point the falcons should be 1-1 at least i would say that they could have beaten seattle i think the seahawks had them by the throat pretty much from the outset in that one but you start a game 20 to nothing lead uh, you're up 39 to you know 29 to 10, and then 39 to f- uh, tw- 39 to 24 with five minutes to go in the game. You put it on cruise control to win, you know, to to, to close the game out and win it. And um, you know, instead, Dak Prescott puts up 450 and a you know a handful of touchdowns. And the next thing you know, they're kicking a field goal as time expires to to win the game, 40 to 39. So. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup uh, on Sunday because I really don't know what to expect. There are a lot of questions and and or concerns uh, going into this game. We'll talk about that here in a little bit um, when we get to the uh, preview itself, our keys to the game and such. So, but before we get to it, uh, let's talk about some news and notes. Um, the biggest news. Um, came over the weekend before the Giants game. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, but was the contract extension for Tariq Cohen. It's a three-year deal around $18 million. Uh, like when it first came out, it was like, oh, it's three years, $17.6 million. And then it's like, no, actually, it's more like 18.3 or something like that. Regardless, it's about a three, three-year deal worth about $6 million, uh, a season for Tariq keeps him in the bear uniform until what 2023 so like this is the last year of his rookie deal so 2021 yeah 2023 uh three-year extension uh for Tariq half of that is guaranteed it was something in the in the range of about nine million guaranteed through the contract so I think that uh god forbid uh the bears would be able to cut him loose I think after the second year without a cap penalty not that we're looking forward to that but that's just how the math works i believe um i wasn't surprised uh disappointed or, or anything like that it's it's a good thing that we we have that stability to hang on to uh to Reek cohen and me being the uh glass half empty guy at times i'm glad he isn't going to go somewhere else and then come back to kick our ass a few times <laughs> before he hangs it up in his uh his career i would much rather keep Tariq cohen in a bear uniform so he can be that fire plug for us instead of being that uh you know that hindsight 2020 like maybe we should have hung on to that guy kind of thing so um you know and it didn't it didn't frustrate me that they would extend him before uh alan robinson it's kind of been a a point of um you know uh comedy this week that you know Tariq uh so Tariq going out there and saying is like yeah i left some i took less so he could get more 
uh, kind of thing. I left some money on the table for A-Rod and blah, blah, blah. So he's kind of been uh, joking about it uh, so far. And, um, you know, I don't think that it was a um, like this is a choice that the Bears made, that they would rather extend uh, Tariq instead of uh, A-Rob or anything uh, like that. So I still think that's pending. I actually got fooled. For those of you that follow me on Twitter, I got fooled by a fake Ian Rappaport account that said that Allen Robinson signed a five-year deal or a five-year extension with the Bears. And I was like, hallelujah, when I retweeted that garbage. And uh, then a few people were like, yeah, that's a fake account. Like, don't. Oh, man. So I was like euphoric. Like, yes, we got him locked up. It's a done deal. Fantastic. And then I got like four replies on Twitter. Like, yeah, dude, this is a fake account. I'm like, oh, man, (laughs) I got fooled. You know, it was a bummer for sure. So hopefully they get it worked out and they get it worked out soon. Um, A, so we can get A-Rob locked up. But I think more importantly, so we can stop talking about it. So we can get the, you know, put ink to paper and get it over with and it's done. And I also think that the Bears lucked out um, with the Tariq Cohen uh, extension because he did not have a good 2019. You know, it's like statistically he caught more passes and things like that. But it's like as far as running the ball and like he didn't have as many yards with those more catches last year than he did in 2018. Uh, he wasn't as effective as he was in the first two years uh, of his uh, of his career with the Bears. If he had been 2017, 2018, Tariq Cohen, where he was a vital, vital part uh, of the offense. I mean, he was still a vital part last year. He just wasn't producing. But then again, nobody was uh, last year. But it's like I think the Bears benefited from the discount that his mediocre 2019 allowed him to give i think that if 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 cohen had a 2019 like the 2018 and 2017 seasons that he started his career with this contract would have been somewhere i think in the 10 million dollar uh rent we'd have had to pay him more for sure so i think the bears uh lucked out uh with this extension uh as well so and it's not a huge contract it's not one that bogs us down you know for for the for the the distant future uh, or anything like that, and like uh, even it, like Cohen said, there's still some money left on the table for um, Allen Robinson. I mean, if teams like the Rams can go around and keep paying guys, they they must have four guys on the team making twenty plus million dollars. The salary cap's only like two hundred million, and they've got like forty percent of it tied up in like five guys. Because Jalen Ramsey just got a twenty one million dollar extension per year Aaron Donald's the second highest paid defensive player right behind or third because Joey Bosa is number one now but third behind uh you know Khalil Max he's making 22 million dollars a season Jared Goff is making that insane 30 plus million dollar a year quarterback money and they just gave Cooper Cup like an 18 million dollar a year uh extension as well and I'm not you know I haven't touched upon anybody else I think they gave Robert Woods one of their receivers, like a $17 million a year extension uh, or something like that. You know, the, the the Rams are doling out the money, and if they can figure out how to do it, then the Bears should be able to figure it out uh, as well. So hopefully that's a deal that gets done soon. But we got Tariq Cohen, like I said, signed up till 2023. Tragic news uh, for the Bears uh, this week, for Bears uh, Nation uh, across the 
across the world. Uh, Gail Sayers, the Kansas Comet himself, passed away this week at 77. Um, he's one, truly one of the greatest football players uh, of all time. Uh, a, a, a career that was cut tragically short by injury and uh, unfortunately living in an era where, uh, you know, technology and science hadn't quite met each other yet. You know, much like one of his uh, great friends in life, Brian Piccolo, a uh, former bear that died of cancer at the age of 26, um, you know, had a cancer that could be easily cured today, you know, or at least easily treated and everything. They didn't have those treatments back in the 60s uh, at that point. And, you know, unfortunately, Brian Piccolo suffered the uh, consequences, you know, if they had, if, you know, fast forward 30 years into the future, 40 years to the future, Brian Piccolo would be in remission and, you know, might be able to continue his career and things like that. And back in the day, in the 60s and, and early 70s, when you had a knee injury, like tearing your ACL, like what Gail Sayers suffered, it was deemed catastrophic. Like those were career ending injuries back then. And he was a medical marvel because he came back and played the next season like these guys do routinely today. You know, like we, you know, we had to watch Saquon Barkley go down with the knee injury. He will be back next season for sure. He'll be back. It isn't ruined his, uh, ruin his chances at, at continuing his playing career or, or anything like that. He'll be back next season with Gail Sayers. What he did was unheard of and, but it ailed him for the rest of his career. He ended up only having a seven year career, uh, with the bears. And I think still holds the record as the youngest person to ever enter the pro football hall of fame, because he retired, I think at like 27 or 28 or something like that. So I think he was only like 30, 32 or something when he was enshrined in the NFL. Obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's how good uh, Gail Gale Sayers was. I mean, everyone has heard the stories as a Bear fan about his six-touchdown performance against the 49ers in a, bl- in a muddy quagmire of a you know Wrigley Field back when the Bears still played their home games uh, in the Cubs stadium back in the day. You know, it just seemed like he was the only person on the field who could find his footing he was the only person that wasn't slipping and sliding all over the place and you know destroyed the 49ers that day to the tune of six touchdowns and as a matter of fact he got benched after he scored five by papa bear hallis himself and then was put in towards the end of the game to go on a punt return which he then ran in for yet another touchdown and that's one of my favorite highlights of his is him running back that punt because he's dodging guys that there's no way he can see him there's no way there's one where he's cutting across the middle of the field and there's a 49er coming in from his left and he stops short like I was like how did he see him you know did he see him through his ear hole like I don't know how he saw that guy but he goes whipping right past him as you know, Gail Sayers stops short. The guy goes flying right past him because he's on roller skates on the mud like everybody else. But you know, Gail Sayers was uh, floating on air that day, man, because nobody could uh, nobody could stop him. He was literally unstoppable that day, and probably could have scored more touchdowns if Papa Bear had let him. But uh, that was a legendary performance for a legendary Bear. Uh, unfortunately, he was, um, you know. Um, saddled with uh with alzheimer's which can have uh you know some pretty 
catastrophic effects on the body. And, you know, for someone who made his career and made his name and his legacy with his body, for it to fail him in the, the way he did at the end of his life is tragic and it's sad and it's unfortunate. So, um, you know, his number 40 is retired, so no bear will ever wear it again. And uh, he's enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame where he belongs. And uh, now he's back in the heavens and sharing a backfield with sweetness. And uh, that's pretty awesome. So rest in peace, Gail Sayers. And um, we'll see you again someday. Uh, and other news to wrap up, guys. Um, uh, John Jenkins, our, uh, one of our inside, our inside tackles, our nose tackle, John Jenkins is going on. IR with a thumb injury. Apparently, he played through it on Sunday against the uh, Giants, and uh, he's. I think that he says he has a torn ligament in his hand or partially torn. Uh, nothing about surgery, but he's on injured reserve for the next few weeks. And the Bears signed Daniel McCullers off of the Pittsburgh Steeler practice squad. And what's interesting about Daniel McCullers is that he is a shaved bear. Literally, the guy's six seven weighs 360 pounds so you're going to notice him when he's on the field because he'll be bigger than anyone on it he he will be the biggest person on the field when he goes out there i've seen one picture of the guy and he's got calves like basketballs i mean this is a ginormous human being and uh he he's been signed to the bears active roster so we'll likely see him uh on sunday against the falcons at some point and trust me uh, if that picture is any indication, you'll know immediately when he's on the field. So uh, you'll be able to see him. Daniel McCullers is his name. And then last thing, I saw something interesting on uh, Twitter. I follow as many Bears as I can uh, on my Twitter account, at BTU underscore Larry, for anyone who wants to give me a shout. Um, uh, Yoel E.A. Booneyway, a.k.a. Iggy, was online and made one of those like vague posts where he said something in regards to like the hard work is is finally paying off now 2020 has not gotten off to a great start for our beloved Danny Trevathan uh, he's been somewhat of a, a liability in in pass coverage it always seems like if someone is catching the ball across the middle it's number 59 that's running behind him uh, to try to catch him and, and you know bring him down uh, and things like that and uh, there's been talk with Pagano this week about switching out Trevathan uh, in certain situations, maybe bringing in an extra safety, like putting, putting Deion Bush out on the field, which resulted in an interception last week against the Giants. And, you know, this might indicate, you know, his excitement and, you know, hard work paying off kind of thing that maybe we'll see Iggy out there to finally get some game reps. He's been largely a special teams player. Uh, for the Bears uh, in his uh, career. This is his last year of his rookie deal, if I'm not mistaken. No, third year. It's his third. He's a, he's a 2018 guy, so this is his third year. And his first two years, he's been mostly a large uh, special teams uh, player. I mean, even last year when Roquan and Danny Trevathan went down, it was Kevin Pierre-Lewis that came off the bench, not Iggy, uh, you know, because Nick Witkowski was out there as well. So, it wasn't Iggy that was coming up. Uh, you know, it was Kevin Pierre-Lewis that played instead. So now, you know, and maybe it's looking like uh, he's the first option off the bench when uh, when one of those guys comes off the field. It sounds like he's excited about it. So maybe we're reading too much into it. Maybe he's talking about something else. But uh, 
it, it kind of made people wonder. It's like, are oh, you going to be taking some snaps from Danny Trevathan? That's interesting. See what you can do. You know, fourth-round pick from Western Kentucky. Let's get it on, Iggy, and see what goes on. So we'll see what that ends up meaning over time. But uh, that's what we got, uh, or that's kind of where my mind went when I saw uh, his post on Twitter the other day. And finally, we have our injury reports uh, for the week. I dug up the Falcons uh, as well because it's a um, ton of guys on the list. I mean, um, I mean, just the names under the do not participate or did not participate um, category. Uh, we got Kendall Sheffield, the corner, Julio Jones, uh-oh, uh, with a hamstring injury, DeMonte Casey, one of their starting safeties, uh, with a hip injury, Ricardo Allen, the elbow injury, um, linebacker Foye Olakun, hamstring, Dante Fowler, the ankle injury, so it wasn't a shoulder like the Falcons uh, guys said. Uh, Jake Matthews, who's our starting left tackle, Caleb McGarry, uh, both with knee injuries. Those are offensive tackles, both those guys. And then Tack McKinley, who was a top 10 pick for them a couple of years ago, did not participate this week so far with a groin injury. Limited are guys like Luke Stocker, a tight end with a hip injury. Marlon Davidson, defensive tackle with a knee injury. Charles Harrison, Harris, excuse me, an ankle injury. And uh, Tyler Davidson, Davidson uh, with an ankle injury. And defensive end Jacob uh, Tuiati Mariner. There's a name for you. Defensive end, full participation so far this week. And then our beloved side of things, uh, Mario Edwards. I don't think we've seen him on the field yet. The Bears signed him. He was like the 53rd man added to the roster. But um, he was uh, full participation with a glute injury. So something's going on with his booty. And uh, Ted Ginn, Jimmy Graham, and John Jenkins did not practice on Wednesday. Well, we know what was going on with John Jenkins. Uh, but Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn and Jimmy Graham were both uh, non-injury, like Veterans Day rest. Both were full participation on Thursday. Cole commits on the injury report with a shoulder injury, but has been full go so far in both practices this week. Same thing with Anthony Miller. Calf injury, full participation on Wednesday and Thursday. Darnell Mooney, there's a name I don't like seeing on the uh, on the injury report. A quad injury, but full go on Wednesday and Thursday. Robert Quinn, still on the injury report with the ankle injury, full go Wednesday and Thursday, so that's promising as well. Allen Robinson, I'm not loving these names on this list. Allen Robinson, knee injury, but he's been full go Wednesday and Thursday. Danny Trevathan got one of those uh, injury day, those, those veteran rest days off on Wednesday was full go today on Thursday. And then finally, Khalil Mack limited both Wednesday and Thursday with the knee injury that's been bugging him since training camp. So hopefully he gets over that so he can be, you know, full go on Sunday. It's like he's definitely going to play. I think we all know that. But it uh, would be nice to see his name absent from this list. And uh, hopefully that's something that uh, they'll be able to do with Robert Quinn as well. He's been full participation since friday of last week so why is he still on the list if he's full go why are a lot of these guys on the list if they're full go so like maybe they've got something bugging them but it has to be on the injury list i don't know if that's one of the rules or if that's gamesmanship by the bears or you know like making the falcons kind of look at the guys behind them as opposed to just focusing on a rob and, and mooney and things like that 
who knows? It's the NFL, so you can't eliminate any of those uh, possibilities. But, um, yeah, so there's your injury report. Hopefully we'll, we'll have a bunch of happy, healthy Bears ready to take on the Falcons on Sunday. And uh, that's going to do it for our news and notes section. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right in? It's time to preview keys of the game for Bears-Falcons week number three. <laughs> hey, guys, taking a quick break uh, to uh, thank our sponsors one again, once again at Bet Online, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online the go is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control, and that is shaving your bush. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower. Whatever floats your boat, man. They also just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. The Shears 2.0 nail kit allows you to pluck your eyebrows and trim your nails in style. On their website, you'll also find the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame the summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. And with that information, let's get back to our show. Keys to the game, week number three versus the Atlanta Falcons. We'll be heading out, uh, heading down south, I should say, to Atlanta and the beautiful Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium that the Falcons have been calling home, I think, since 2017, 2018, something like that. Uh, we'll see them in those awful uniforms uh, against the Bears uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, they are awful. They are absolutely despicable. Uh, I do agree with them on the helmets. I like the matte finish. I like the uh, the chrome uh, face mask. The helmet works for me. The rest of it, from the neck down, disaster. Absolute disaster. You know, the color palette you have, I don't know how you screw that up, but they managed to do it. It's bad. And uh, so they'll probably be a bad football team for the next five seasons while they wear those uniforms. 
And then when they snap back to reality, like the Buccaneers did, like the the Browns did, and go back to a more traditional look where they're not trying to get fancy and creative and just put a uniform on their players, then the Falcons will be back. But until then, they're going to be a losing football team wearing those uh, garbage uh, uniforms. Just my personal opinion. I've watched it happen <laughs> over and over again. It's dress good, play good. They are not dressed good. So anyway... The Bears travel down south, take on the Falcons, uh, a team in desperation mode at this point because, uh, you know, for anyone who thought that the Cowboys game was a must-win to avoid an 0-2 hole, how would they classify this week's game against the Bears on Sunday to avoid an 0-3 hole? Because you, you heard me mention it with the What's Up Falcons guys that, you know, the, st- the statistics, probabilities and such, of making the playoffs when you start 0-2, I think I saw it on SportsCenter, it's like 11%. You have an 11% chance to start 0-2 and still make the playoffs. The probabilities of starting 0-3 and still making the playoffs fall off a cliff after that. And it's not a very good, it's not a very, you know, uh, big cliff. You know, it, it's a, it's, you're going to hit the ground and it's, you know, not going to be pretty. But when you're already looking at 11% probability, for it for that to go off a cliff, it's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. So to avoid an 0-3 start and pretty much eliminate any chance at a postseason run, the Falcons got to get a W uh, on Sunday. And <clears throat> what worries me about this game on Sunday, and it's key number one for the Bears, it's playing consistently for 60 minutes. Because, you know, we've we've had two games so far, both that you could clearly argue that we should have lost, but we came away with victories. And in both of those games, we were Jekyll and Hyde. And in the first three quarters of that game against Detroit, we couldn't have beat a Wee League team the way we were playing uh, in those first three quarters. It was embarrassing. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, Maserati Mitch comes out and slings around three touchdown passes and you know the defense comes up when we need him and then we get a little kiss from the football gods on the DeAndre Swift uh, touchdown drop and the Bears are 1-0 how about that then Sunday against the Giants a team aching to be taken advantage of um, we get off to a 17-0 halftime lead we're cruising and we then in the second half the Giants show up, we kind of moderately participate and then have to hang on for a 17 to 13 victory at the end uh, of, of the ball game. You know, it's been a scary, nail-biting experience being a Bear fan the first two weeks of the season. So it shouldn't be really any wonder as to why Bear fans would pick the Falcons uh, to win or that it would at the very least be extremely nervous about our chances uh, of winning this game. You know, the Falcons are dynamic on offense. I mean, Matt Ryan is averaging 360 yards passing in the first two games, six touchdowns, only one pick uh, so far, and that came against the uh, the Seahawks. He had four touchdowns, no picks this past week against the uh, the Cowboys. Uh, Calvin Ridley, who um, Ryan Pace uh, tried to trade back into the first round in 2018 to get his hands on, unfortunately couldn't pull that off, and he's an Atlanta Falcon. He's off to a historic start. He's got 120 yards per game uh, so far uh, this season. And then, you know, if Julio Jones can can manage to make it to the game 
on Sunday. He's one of the best receivers of this era, if not of all time, in that discussion. I like their tight end, Hayden Hurst. You know, the the Falcons are battling a lot of injuries. That could end up helping the Bears out uh, in the long run because it could, you know, force them to play against us uh, shorthanded. And even though we've got a lot of names on our injury list, most of them are going to play, if not all of them are going to play uh, on Sunday. It's like I think everybody on that list except John Jenkins is definitely playing on Sunday. Even though Khalil Mack's been limited, he was limited the first two weeks and played uh, you know, against the Lions and the Giants. So there's no reason to think that unless he had some kind of setback this week, knock on wood, that uh, you know he's going to play Sunday. Uh, Robert Quinn is full participation. So is everybody else that was on that list. So we're pretty much going to be at full strength when we play the Falcons uh, on Sunday. Not looking so good for the Falcons, on the other hand, especially if one of those guys that they miss is Julio Jones. That would be a fantastic advantage for the Bears to have to, you know, focus on Calvin Ridley. And even though Gage is another good receiver for them, they're three deep uh, at wide receiver, um, you know, he's not Julio Jones. So I think that would be uh, that would be good for the Bears if Julio had to take a week off to uh, nurse that uh, that hamstring injury. So um, it's it's consistency. It's consistency. And hopefully it's good consistency <laughs> where we show up and play well uh, for 60 minutes as opposed to, you know, being garbage for the first 30 and then, hey, we're, we're, we're going to make a run at it in the second half and see if we can, you know, pull this off or, you know, it's like no more late game heroics. I would like to see the Bears, uh, you know, play well or be competitive for all 60 minutes as opposed to, you know, basically what we've seen, the Bears taking quarters off. You know, they got off to a rocky start and as frustrating as the first half of the game was against the the Lions, you know, if you're going back and thinking about it rationally, it's like, well, these guys are probably rusty as hell right now. You know, very little uh, contact in in practice and training camp, no preseason games and things like that. And here they are expected to perform at the highest level uh, cold, essentially. You know, granted, they've been training and getting ready for up to this point, but they haven't played football since December. You know, when they when they went week 17 against the against the Vikings and a lot of the guys that played week one were injured or sitting out that week against the uh, Vikings. So it's been longer for some of those guys uh, for playing. And here we are. It's week one and the games count automatically. And, um, you know, so them not playing well in the first half, not a big shock, but coming out in the third quarter, doing it some more and then finally settling down and figuring out in the fourth quarter. Okay, great. But then, like you said, last week against the Giants, we come out like gangbusters, you know, score a touchdown on the first drive, get a strip sack on the third play, from, you know, on, on defense, and Robert Quinn making his first appearance as a Bear, you know, earning that money that we gave him and, and, and everything. And then it just kind of just kind of dipped after that and, you know, kind of marred by missed opportunities after that. The, uh, you know, the drop touchdown pass by um, Anthony Miller and, and, you know, other things in that regard where – the Bears missed opportunities, put the Giants away, and that's what we cannot miss against this team because they're as dynamic and amazing as they are on the offensive side uh, of the football. It's a game that can get away from us quickly. You know, these are this is a high-powered uh, football team that could, you know, a couple of big plays, and the next thing you know, we're down, we're down twenty 
to nothing. And that's the great fear. That's the great fear is like, do we have the horses to come back and do that? Now, looking at the Falcons defense, A, that's going to be shorthanded one way or the other. You know, I don't know how many of those guys on that injury list are going to be ready to go uh, for Sunday to see what their, you know, their statuses were on on Friday uh, when their injury report comes out and they, you know, give, you know, probable, questionable, you know, doubtful, so on and so forth to the guys on the injury list. But, you know, they'll be shorthanded. And number two, they've been pretty lousy so far this year aside from some fast results in the first quarter against the Cowboys where I think they got like three turnovers from the Cowboys to start off to get off on that 20 to nothing uh, lead you know then they proceeded to lose the rest of the game 40 to 19 after they got off to a 20 to 20 to nothing start so aside from some fireworks early on the defense was terrible against the Cowboys same thing the week before giving up 38 points to to Russell Wilson the only problem there is um, as much as we love Mitch he's not Dak Prescott and he sure as hell ain't Russell Wilson so um, you know can he can he perform to the point where we you know he can deliver a ball to Allen Robinson or Anthony Miller or or Darnell Mooney or God forbid Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet you know, get those balls down the uh, field and, and uh, light up this Falcons defense the way that the other two opponents have. You know, can he? Sure, I believe so. I mean, it's, that's the one of the things that's so disappointing about Mitch is that we, we've all seen the talents. We've seen the throws, you know, his athleticism and, and things like that. It's just that he's so wildly inconsistent with when he does and when he doesn't. And, uh, you know, it's like we've he's attempted two passes to Demetrius Harris, our number three tight end. The guy's been wide open on both passes, and Mitch sailed him over his head both times. One should have been a touchdown. Another one would have been an easy first down or a big play if he puts it in the right spot for, for Harris. But the poor guy's got two targets and zero catches because Mitch threw him into another zip code when he was intending the pass for Demetrius Harris. You know, we saw it happen over and over uh, last week with Allen Robinson. Now, Allen Robinson did not have a good game uh, against the Giants, but he was targeted nine times and only caught three balls. Those weren't all Allen Robinson's fault. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, like we've been saying so far this year, Mitch has got to win more than he loses. And in this game, it's going to be important because we have a track team on the other side that can break the scoreboard if we're not careful. So, um, you know, one of the other keys to the game would be the pass rush. we got to get after uh, Matt Ryan uh, and put the game on Todd Gurley, uh, of all people, who's only averaging about 55 yards rushing in the first two games. So, um, you know, it's, uh, the, the running game is not the strong suit for the Falcons. And, and so being stiff against the, the, the pass would be, you know, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, who have been outstanding in the first two weeks, they got to cover, and they got to cover their asses off against some very good wide receivers. And B, Robert Quinn and, and uh, Khalil Mack need to have a few meetings at the quarterback there in the backfield, see if they can't uh, be joined by uh, by the dream himself 
Akeem Hicks uh, as well. So, uh, you know, the, the Bears need to get after uh, Matt Ryan and, uh, you know, disrupt him in any way that they can. Get him moving around the pocket. Get him, uh, you know, get him thinking back there. You know, that's uh, that would be very, very uh, important. So the pass rush, the defense in general, or just our pass defense in general, you know, the pass rush needs to get there. And if it can't, then our corners need to be outstanding uh, on Sunday because they're going against some stiff competition who put up some pretty impressive numbers, even in losing efforts in these first two games uh, of the season. So pass rush one, uh, secondary two. So just the pass defense in general needs to step it up uh, on Sunday. They got their work cut out for them for sure, but uh, they definitely need to uh, to step that up um, to uh, be able to have success on Sunday and then finally for the Bears um, the final key for me would be the running game Um, I just uh, I would like to see more of it I would like to see David Montgomery get about 20 to 25 carries this weekend and uh, you know of their defensive strengths and weaknesses statistically they are the Falcons are better against the run than they are against the pass so you know take that for what you will and uh you know the seahawks aren't necessarily known for their running game the cowboys are and they were stingy with zeke in the beginning of the game and then as the game went along the cowboys had to abandon the run because they were behind by 100 points so you know like i said the defense played lights out in the first quarter forcing turnovers and turning those into touchdowns and and points and uh and what have you but uh, it wasn't an opportunity for the Cowboys to be able to play the running game for all 60 minutes because they were, you know, basically behind the eight ball from the outset uh, against the Falcons. They play, literally played from behind the entire football game. Until that, foot, uh, until that ball went through the uprights, they didn't have a lead the entire game. So, um, you know, playing from behind the whole time, trying to catch up. They had to abandon the running game and switch to the pass, which is why Dak Prescott threw for 450 uh, in that game. Um, so it's just uh, the, the running game and, and being successful with it early on and sticking with it consistently throughout the game. It's like even though Matt Nagy has shown more dedication to the run this year than he has in the previous uh, two seasons, he's still kind of um, – still kind of uh, – blotchy with it you know it's still something that comes and goes in in spurts uh at times you know like we saw it in in the first in that first drive kind of imposing our will on the offensive line or excuse me on the defense of the uh of the giants and then we really didn't see a strong dedication to it until that last drive in the fourth quarter where we ran the ball like six or seven times in a row and montgomery you know got most of the 80 yards that he rushed for on Sunday on that last drive. He had 60, 50, I think he said he personally had 57 yards rushing on that final drive in the fourth quarter, and he ended the game with like 82. And uh, I would have liked to see for him to have more opportunities in the middle, like second and third quarter, as opposed to, you know, he got a load of, of carries in the first quarter, and then he got a bunch in the fourth quarter, and we're trying to seal the game want to see some more consistently consistency spreading that out in the second and third quarter and hopefully the game and the events that take place in the game will allow for that to happen 
because uh, I think that's where success lies in this game. It's like the Bears want to win a 21 to 17, 17 to 13 game. If the final score is 40 some, if the if the sky, final score has 40 on the scoreboard, we're going to lose the game. I I don't think that we can get into a shootout uh, with the uh, with the Falcons. Uh, I I just I don't think so. I, I'm honestly at this point I still don't trust Mitch. I, he doesn't. He's not consistent enough. He's not accurate enough with his deep ball and 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 things like that. We'd have to dink and dunk our way down, and that's going to drain the hell out of the uh, clock. We need to have more big play capability maybe that should be another key we need to you know take advantage of this uh this secondary of the falcons that's given up all these passing yards and and touchdowns and such and see if we can hurt them early put them behind uh the eight ball uh early on you know much like they did with the uh the cowboys and uh they have a similar reputation as the what's up falcons guy said of uh, blowing late leads so, you know, if they're blowing late leads, chances are that they are, uh, if they are behind later on, they're not going to have a heroic finish and, and uh, win the football game. So, um, you know, maybe that'll be our fourth and final key is uh, to show some big play capability uh, on Sunday. You know, let Mitch get somebody down the sideline or somebody up the seam and, you know, get those big chunk plays, 20, 30 yards receptions instead of the, you know, the old school west coast offense where we're three years three yards here five yards there eight yards here you know that kind of thing we're just kind of plotting our way uh down the field you know but even the 49ers had jerry rice and a big big play uh you know capability in their back pocket i think the bears have the players for it anthony miller um a rob and you know i love darnell mooney and what we've seen from him so far in the first couple of weeks it's just a matter of pulling the trigger on it and getting somebody open and putting the ball where it needs to be because that seems to be, you know, like, well, Mitch made a hell of a throw, but he threw it and, the, the you know, the coverage was there, so the ball got deflected. And then there's this other time the guy's running naked down the sidelines completely untouched and Mitch throws it nine miles over his head. So we we very seldom seen, you know, the planets align when it comes to big plays uh, down the field uh, for Mitch you know he's he's usually off target and like we talked about Demetrius Harris a few moments ago you know how many times did poor Taylor Gabriel miss out on touchdowns in his short career with the Bears because Mitch decided to sail one over his head into another time zone instead of you know putting it on target and he could have easily walked into the end zone for a touchdown so um, you know that's a problem I don't know if Mitch gets nervous when he sees those big plays and he just you know, it slings it out there, and the next thing you know, it's flying over somebody's head. But um, this would be a good week to uh, to iron that out uh, for sure. So uh, to recap, as a team, we want to be more consistent throughout the 60 minutes instead of, you know, uh, good team, bad team, or, you know, or whatever. It's like we, we so far we've had bad halves and good halves. Uh, in our first two games and the last and you know we flip-flopped them we had a bad first half but a good second half and then last week it was a good first half bad second half we had to hang on for victories against inferior teams we should have easily beaten both of these teams but instead we had to struggle and hang on and bite our nails as fans 
uh, as we watch the Bears, you know, just eke one out against these two teams. And then, um, you know, the pass defense really needs to step it up uh, on Sunday. You know, we either need the pass rush to be a complete, you know, be the bane of Matt Ryan's existence all day on Sunday and or the secondary needs to be on point uh, as well, which means guys like Danny Trevathan or maybe, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, Yoel E.A. Buniway maybe getting some reps out there, maybe swapping out the the second linebacker for, uh, you know, another safety in Deion Bush and things like that. We need to protect the middle of the field. That's been a big problem for the Bears is those receivers and tight ends running those underneath routes that, uh, you know, they'll catch a four-yard pass and it'll be a 15-yard gain before we finally um, – before we finally shut those guys down. So uh, that's the play right there that can just murder the Bears, especially if the receiver running the underneath route is a, is a Calvin Ridley, you know, or a, or a Julio Jones. You get one of those guys underneath route, he could be off to the races, and he could be in the end zone before we get a chance to slow him down. So those were underneath routes, especially in the pass defense. That's definitely got to be a major, major concern uh, for us because these guys have – they have horses, and they can run, that's for sure. And um, then we talked about the running game being a major key. That will slow the game down. That will drain the clock. That will keep the ball in our hands, which means we're keeping it out of theirs. Having success in the running game, I think, would go a long way to ensure success of a victory on Sunday for the Bears. And then finally, that last one I threw in, to have some big play capability. Uh, on Sunday this is a team that hasn't been playing well this is a team that struggles on defense and right now it appears that of their defensive weaknesses their secondary is one of them I mean you heard the guys being cynical uh, about their team very much like we you know we talk about the Bears sometimes it's like if your team has a problem if your team is ailing in some way play against the Falcons and you'll be able to fix it let's be let's be the cliche let's let's do that let's be that team that you know f- you know if i don't give a, i don't care if it's like the rest of the 15 14 games we have left after this but let's be that team that decides that all of a sudden we're uh you know th- let's have a tampa bay game against the falcons on sunday wouldn't that be something where mitch is slinging it all over the field and he's got six touchdowns and 350 and no interceptions and we just coast to a victory against the Falcons. Let's knock them down and keep them down. These guys are are reeling right now, and we're either going to get beaten by a team that's desperate not to be 0-3, or we're going to be able to kick someone while they're down. And as a Bear fan, I would love to see us kick the Falcons while they're down and just stomp our way through another victory and get ready for the Colts next week. That's what I would like to see. So... Hopefully those four keys will come to fruition for us and we can enjoy uh, Sunday afternoon uh, and truly enjoy it as opposed to enjoying a few really nice moments and then biting our nails in the final moment while we wonder whether or not the Bears are going to be able to pull this off. I would like to have a carefree Sunday. Put my feet up, watch the game, have some uh, you know less than entertaining knee-jerk reactions uh, for you guys to hear uh, this week. Just kind of, yeah. It's been nice. Uh, Khalil Mack got a sack, and, uh, you know, so-and-so got an interception, and Mitch is throwing the ball well, uh, you know, looking good out there. Dave Montgomery's got a touchdown, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, so there you go. We'll see how the rest of the game goes. End of knee-jerk reaction. That's what I would like to do 
this week just for the sake of my own sanity, for Christ's sake. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Come back on Monday. We'll have our Bear Up and Bear Down show. Find out who this week's MVB is uh, going to be. Darnell Mooney is the reigning champion at the moment. Uh, Will he continue to hold on to that title, or will we pass it on to someone else? Um, We will see. So come back on Monday. Will it be another Victory Monday, our third of 2020 already? Come back and find out. Till then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.